Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, back from a much-needed vacation, and I am pastor of Christ the King Lutheran Church here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And much thanks to Reverend Glenn Bomer, who filled in for me last week. And today, the 4th of July as our nation focuses on its Independence Day. We in the church are celebrating the fifth Sunday after Trinity, where we'll hear from Luke 5, where Jesus catechizes the crowds and shows by the miraculous catch of fish that follows that it is by his word that the gospel goes out like a net through the apostles and pastors and fills the boat of the church. And this fifth Sunday after Trinity actually brings to an end the first phase of this time after Trinity. And this first phase, we've been focused on seeing that the Church of the Spirit, under the influence of the Holy Spirit through the Word and Sacraments, arises and flourishes. And we see just how much it flourishes through the catch of fish that we hear about in today's Gospel. Now, of course, in the world, in our nation, it is still the 4th of July, it is Independence Day, and our lectionary doesn't recognize it because the 4th of July is a secular holiday, not a church holiday. But still, we in the church do pray for good government and thank God for all the blessings he has given us here in the United States and the freedoms we enjoy that allow us to live quiet, peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. So while our lesson doesn't focus on what's going going on in our nation today, still we'll be giving thanks to God for our nation in the prayers that we'll pray later later this morning and in the closing hymn, Before You, Lord, We Bow. But for now, we turn to the start of our matin service with a hymn, Rejoice, my heart, be glad and sing.
Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. Thou hast been my help. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. Thou hast been my help. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. The Old Testament lesson for this fifth Sunday after Trinity is written in the 19th chapter of the first book of the Kings, beginning at the 11th verse. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But... The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire passed, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, and stood in the entrance of the cave. Behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of armies, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. Anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, the son of Japhat of Abel-Meholah, to be prophet in your place. He who escapes from the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And he who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I reserved seven thousand in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So he departed from there, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. Elijah went over to him, and put his mantle on him. Elisha left the oxen, and ran after Elijah, and said, Let me please kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. He said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? He returned from following him, and took the yoke of oxen, and killed them, and boiled their meat with the instruments of the oxen, and gave to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, and went after Elijah, and served him. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. The epistle is written in the third chapter of the first epistle of St. Peter, beginning at the eighth verse. Brothers, finally, all of you, be like-minded, compassionate, loving as brothers, tender-hearted, courteous, not rendering evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who will harm you if you become imitators of that which is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Don't fear what they fear, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, with humility and fear. 
O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now, while the multitude pressed on Jesus and heard the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He entered into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we worked all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the net. When they had done this, 
they caught a great multitude of fish, and their net was breaking. They beckoned to their partners in the other boat that they should come and help them. They came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. For he was amazed, and all who were with him, at the catch of fish which they had caught. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will be catching people alive. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text says, Simon Peter fell down, that is, he prostrated himself in worship, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now here, St. Luke gives us an incredible image of St. Simon Peter. An image where Peter is in his own boat, face down, begging and pleading for the Lord to leave him. It's a scene of complete desperation, and it really causes us to pity this poor man. But in this scene, Simon Peter is not alone, for just as astonished and fearful were those who were with him in those two boats, including James and John. And whether Peter knew it or not, he was not speaking for himself, but all those in the boat with him that surrounded the Christ. The reason for their desperation, which begged Christ to leave, can be heard in these words. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now Simon Peter realized who this Jesus was when a simple word from his mouth caused the miraculous catch of fish in the spot where no fish were found the night before, a spot now where their nets were tearing and their boats were sinking. What Peter realized was standing before them was the almighty, holy God in the flesh. And Simon, like James and John, knew that whatever is unholy, whatever is filthy and sinful, cannot survive the holiness of God standing before it. And they knew they were sinners. They knew they were unholy. They knew being in the presence of the holy God meant their doom and destruction. Because the unholy cannot stand with the holy. And so these words come from St. Peter that catch our ears off guard, where he says, Depart from me, O Lord. Because he felt from his, from his own unholiness, from his own filth, that the holiness of God would destroy him. Again, this confession tends to catch us off guard, but perhaps it shouldn't. Because how would any of us react when suddenly confronted with the holiness of God? How would we react if we were to see suddenly our own filth in the light of his holiness? But really, we don't like to think about that. Rather, instead, the holiness of God is something that our sinful flesh does not desire to consider. Just as the world would rather not think about death, you know, instead it wants to do this celebration of life. So also our flesh doesn't want to think about the holiness of God, which is really no surprise, because the holiness of God means death for our sinful flesh. And so we try to put it, our sinful flesh tries to put it out of our minds. So what do we do instead of contemplating the holiness of God? Well, we try to shove the idea of God's holiness under the rug like the world tries to ignore and turn a blind eye to death. Just as the world tries to demean the meaning of death by so-called celebrations of life over lives that are lost, that it refuses to see as gone, so also then do we try to demean the holiness of God. That is to say, we try to come up with ways that would bring God down to our level 
so we can think and believe that God and His holiness is where we are at. For instance, we like to have it said that God is love, but only where we can define what love is. And in defining love the way we want it, we think we can in turn define God the way we want Him to be defined. We project what we believe to be our holiness onto God so that all that is left is a God that simply wants you to be happy, who accepts you just the way you are and everyone else just the way they are, that accepts good and evil as we define it. We see it also in how we approach God. Think of it at home don't have time to pray or be in the scriptures. Well, that's all right. We like to reason. God will understand. And if we do pray, we treat it as if we are talking to a dog with empty words, empty phrases, empty thoughts, and we really only ask for what our sinful flesh desires. We do this instead of praying to God as our Father, as the one sitting on his throne in heaven as the one who offers us everything that is his. Our flesh likes to ignore all that. It wants to pray only for it, for what it wants. And our flesh thinks that its own desires would make the highest of divine gifts. We see it in how we approach God in confession, or perhaps in our failure to come to God in confession at all. Sure, it's easy to pray, Lord, please forgive me for the small sins, the little white lies or the small trifles we have with a friend or a spouse. That's easy. It's also easy to come to church and say the corporate confession that we confess every Sunday morning. Because in that corporate confession, you don't have to confess any particular sin. You don't have to feel any particular guilt. But what about those sins that bother your conscience? That nag at you when you go to bed at night and when you get up in the morning. That nag at you when you look in the mirror. The sins where the gravity of their guilt weigh down your soul. Here God gives you a pastor for those sins to stand in Christ's stead. Here God gives you a pastor who is bound to the seal of the confessional so that you can come confess your sins to him. Just as Peter confessed his sins before Christ in our reading. Where you can hear Christ say you are forgiven. God gives you a pastor for that. But our flesh doesn't like to come to confession because doing so would mean feeling and confessing the full weight of our sinful flesh. Doing so would force us to contemplate the holiness of God and our filth before his presence and that it means death for us. We'd rather ignore those things. So it becomes easier to play down the sin, to convince yourself that the sin causing you so much grief is not really that big of a deal. It causes us to justify that sin by our own reasoning, to convince ourselves that the sin, eh, maybe it's not so bad after all. The guilt is really nothing. 
We'd rather think that we, with these sins, can stand before the holy God, because that's easier to think than contemplating going to confession. We see our wanting to lower the holiness of God also in how we come to church, coming to the pew in the most (laughs) casual of clothing, coming to the altar just to go through the motions, acting and dressing as if you were coming to eat mere bread and wine instead of acting and confessing that you are coming to the altar where heaven and earth meet in the body and blood of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not disparaging how anyone dresses or how nice their clothes are. We all have our incomes, our means, our resources, and so we all have the fanciest clothes in our wardrobe, which we can afford, and for everyone that is different. I'm not talking about that. What I'm speaking of is the lack of reverence with which we come to church, with which we approach the altar. So then we have to ask, do we approach the rail like we're, like we're going through the drive through at McDonald's? Or do we approach it seeing with the eyes of faith that on the other side of this rail, on the other side of this half circle that the rail makes, is the full circle where the angels and all the saints of heaven are joining us in this banquet? You see, when we come to the altar like slobs, instead of preparing inwardly and outwardly for meeting our Lord, what we're really doing is trying to tone down the holiness of God. We desire him to be at our level, to accept us as we are. And so we, we desire to mess around with the worship, make it more laid back, make it more casual. Because we don't want to approach God in all his holiness. We desire to demean the holiness of God because our sinful flesh doesn't want to be like Simon Peter or James or John in getting down to the ground in all humility and saying, I am a sinful man. Our flesh doesn't want that. Just like Peter didn't want Christ to remain there before him, he wanted Christ to depart, and so does our flesh. Because to be confronted with the all-powerful, all-holy God as an unholy sinner, that means death. But here are the words of Christ after Peter confesses his being a sinner. He says, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. This is what the Lord says to Peter and to us. Do not be afraid. While our flesh tries to demean the holiness of God, here in the boat is the Son of God incarnate telling us not to be afraid. Not because God isn't holy, he most certainly is. And not because God is love as we define love, or because he accepts our sins to be good as we would desire. No, none of that. Christ says, don't be afraid, because the Son of God was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary in his great humility to be among us. Don't be afraid, because in his humility, the incarnate Son of God came to be circumcised under the law so that he may fulfill it perfectly, because he was baptized in the waters with us to be counted among us sinners and to in the waters Take our sins upon himself. 
Don't be afraid, because in his humility, Christ came not to ignore death as the world does, but to go to the cross to die and defeat death for us. Because in the glory of his resurrection three days later, Christ rose not to ignore the holiness and glory of God, but instead, he justified us. He led the way in showing how we would follow him so that we too will one day rise again in his holiness and glory. Don't be afraid, because in his glory, Christ now reigns at the right hand of the Father where he intercedes for you until he comes again, when the angels will place you on his right side. Do not be afraid, our Lord tells Simon Peter. For the Lord did not come in humility to destroy Simon or us. But instead, the Lord came to the waters so that his word could make us alive and put us in the boat. As the great multitude of people pressed in on him to hear the word of God, notice where he leads them to the lake, to the waters. Notice also how he leads Peter in the boat, to the deep waters. See how Christ, at his word, the net in the water brings in a great multitude of fish into the boat, just as Christ's word in the water brought in the crowd which pressed against him, that pressed into his body. Just as Christ's word in the waters of the font brought all of you in the boat of the church, where you press up against his body with your hands and press into his, into his blood with your lips. You see, he is the master of this boat, this church. And this is the boat of Simon and the apostles, where the pastors in the apostolic tradition continue to cast the net of the gospel and bring in catches of men. Men that were lost in the darkness of night and could not be found, but, then, but that now fill the boat in abundance. This is the boat where Christ, through the apostles and pastors, pulled you out of the waters by the net of the gospel, pulled you into the boat as a new creation. In this boat, we fall down with Simon Peter and confess with him that we too are sinners. Simon speaks for us as well here. This is the boat from which Christ teaches and catechizes you. This is the boat where Christ stands before you in the flesh and blood and says, Don't be afraid. Take, eat. Take, drink. But yet, in this boat. Neither we nor Peter need to beg Christ to depart from us. For confessing our sins, we know we need not be afraid, just as he tells us. We do not need to be afraid of death, for he conquered death for us and gives us the medicine for immortal life here at this altar. We need not fear the holiness of God, because... We have the promise that we will one day rise in his glory. 
Instead, we come to the pews and to the altar in full reverence of God, because we know that in the waters, even now, He has begun to make us holy. And we know that this work in the waters will be finished on the last day, when we are risen with Him in His full glory. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Redeemed with thy precious.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. O God, who has prepared for them that love you such good things as surpass man's understanding, pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our president, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our governor, the legislature of this state, 
and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. Almighty God, you have given us this good nation as our heritage. Grant that we remember your generosity and constantly do your will. Bless our nation with honest industry, truthful education, and an honorable way of life. Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from pride and arrogance, from every evil course of action. Grant that we, who came from many nations with many different languages, may become a united people. Support us in defending our liberties and give those to whom we have entrusted the authority of government the spirit of wisdom, that there may be justice and peace in our land. When times are prosperous, may our hearts be thankful, and in troubled times, do not let our trust in you fail. Most gracious God and Father, we thank and praise you for sending rain to water the earth, causing it to be fruitful and to bring forth food in plenteous supply. Teach us ever to remember that we do not live on bread alone in order that we may receive your blessings with thanksgiving and your word with grateful hearts. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work, and when our last hour shall come, 
Support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
We thank God for all who are able to join us for the Matins podcast this morning. And please do feel free to join us next week as well as we look to celebrate the sixth Sunday after Trinity, where we'll hear from Christ teaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 about how he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. All hymn music for this podcast comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.